Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. What saves is trusting in, in a very practical way, not just intellectually or philosophically, but in reality, trusting in the sacrifice Jesus made, the blood he shed, his promise that if we came to him, he would receive us and never cast us out and never forsake us and never leave us. Today we complete Pastor Sam's message, The Absolute Necessity of Obedience. Starting in Matthew 7:21, we learn the difference between knowing who Jesus is and truly knowing Him, making Him the Lord of your life, and how the obedience to His commands will be a fruit of that decision. In Hebrews, we're told of Noah, and of course you're familiar with the story, God appears to him at a time where... Well, it would appear that there had never really been any storms yet. And God says, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to cause the rains to fall and the storms to come and I'm going to flood the earth. And Noah, I want you to build an ark for the saving of your household and for all the species on the planet. And, and what does Noah do? We're told Noah moved with godly fear. Didn't just believe in arks. He built an ark. And, and that's the difference, you see. There are a lot of people today who believe in Jesus, but they've never really entered into Jesus. Well, Noah did. He built an ark, and then he boarded the ark, and then God shut him and his family and all those animals in, and then the rains came, the floods came, and in that storm, all human life perished except those that were safely in the ark. It becomes a picture to us. Why? Because... We need to be, we're told, in Jesus. Had Noah simply said, oh man, I, I believe in arcs, and I believe in arcs, the only way to be saved. And But you know, building an ark, I mean, that's sort of a project. And we're out in the middle of the desert. I mean, how, are, is it really logical and practical to expect a flood to come and get us here? It didn't matter how things appeared or seemed. It only mattered that he understood what the Lord wanted, and he obeyed. He did what the Lord required. The same, of course, is true at the Passover. And I use some of these examples over and over because there are no better examples in Scripture of them. You know, had you been there that Passover night, Exodus chapter 12 records the story, when they were instructed to take a lamb and slay it and take the blood and apply it to the doorposts and the lentils of their house, had you said, well, I believe in a substitutionary sacrifice. I believe in the blood shed of a substitutionary sacrifice. I believe in all of that. But you failed to slay the lamb, to take the blood, to apply the blood. The firstborn in your household would have died. It wasn't about how much you believed it, but what you did about it, what you did in response to it. Likewise, today, the scripture teaches that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness, no remission of sin. And Jesus, we're told, died for our sins. He shed his blood. He's our Passover lamb sacrificed for us. And it's not enough to say, I believe in the shed blood of Jesus. I believe in his cross. Those are, those are doctrinally accurate and true. Lots of people have memorized the Apostles' Creed and they believe all the stuff that it says, but that doesn't save. What saves is 
trusting in, in a very practical way, not just intellectually or philosophically, but in reality, trusting in the sacrifice Jesus made, the blood he shed, his promise that if we came to him, he would receive us and never cast us out and never forsake us and never leave us. So Jesus is affirming a couple things here and and it's it's easy to miss it. So I want you to see. First of all, he says, many will say to me in that day. He's talking about the day of judgment. Why? He's talking about entering into the kingdom of heaven. And some are going to hear enter into the joy of the Lord. Others are going to hear depart from me. So he says, many will say to me in that day. I don't know if we can even begin to get a sense of how radical it is that he's standing before them and he's acknowledging that he will be judging mankind in the day of judgment. It's not a a side note. It's really the main thing here. For us, we'd probably think, no, the main thing is that I obey because I want to be saved. But but you've got to see it. Nobody else up to this point, and I don't believe anybody with any kind of, you know, uh, sanity, has ever presented such a case. He's pretty much saying, hey, anyone can say, Lord, Lord. What matters is if that's true for you. Many will say, Lord, Lord, haven't we, haven't we, haven't we? But he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now, many will say to me in that day, in the day of judgment, they'll be saying, Lord, Lord, Look at what we did. We prophesied, we cast out demons, we did wonderful works, and we did it all in your name. And Jesus says, he will say, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Do you know in John chapter 5, I think in verse 22, Jesus says, the father judges no one. He has committed all judgment unto the son. That's why in Matthew 28, he can say, all authority is given me in heaven and earth. Jesus will be the judge of all mankind. And ultimately, he's either your savior or he'll be your judge. If he's your savior, well, your sins are already judged. You've identified with him on the cross. You've received his forgiveness. You've you've applied, as it were, the shed blood of a sinless, spotless, substitutionary sacrifice. But for those who merely profess to know him, he says, hey, I'm going to make a profession, but it will be reality. I never knew you. First time I ever read that, I thought, how can this be? Jesus knows everyone. Jesus knows everything. He's not saying he didn't know who they were or what they did. In fact, he did know who they were and what they did. He could read their hearts. He knew their profession was false. That when they said, Lord, Lord, it wasn't true. No, he knew them perfectly. But here's the problem. They didn't know him personally. And you can learn all about anyone. You know, you could study a movie star and know when they were born and where they live and what they do. And you can follow them around. And you know what that makes you? A stalker. Um, But that doesn't make you have a relationship with them. In fact, I guarantee you, you'd never have a relationship with someone you stalk. And truly here, the Lord is saying, hey, you can know about me, you can study about me, you can talk about me, you can use my name and still end up in the judgment. He'll say, I never knew you. He's saying, I never knew you in that relationship. That really is what he's saying. They're saying, Lord, Lord. He's saying, well, yeah, I am the Lord, but I was never your Lord. 
Well, how can that be? He's the Lord over all the earth. They never submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what you want to make sure you've done. That's what you want to make sure you talk to your children about. That's what you want to make sure you talk to your parents about. It's not a a Protestant Catholic thing. It's not our group or our denomination or our non-denomination. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. And oftentimes, and I'm sure some of you are guilty of this as I was, I came to my dad after I got saved and, and I'm like, hey, I know you're a religious guy, but I just want to let you know I'm saved and born again and you're going to hell, you know, and, and I just want to tell you the good news. And he, and so it's like the good news, get out of here, you know, and not everyone really appreciates the news. And oftentimes in our zeal to share it, we fail to, to really lay it out the way it is. Hey, God has transformed our lives. He's forgiven us. We know we're secure in Him. We know we're going to heaven. We just want to make sure those around us who say they believe really do. And it isn't by giving them the third degree or, or comparing yourself to them or the way you worship to the way they worship or how committed or how much you read the Bible. we got to be real careful about thinking that when we stand before the Lord, we're going to get a special place because, hey, well, we taught through the Bible, you see, and we, we did this and we did this. Anyone who stands before the Lord saying, we, 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 or I, 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 isn't really getting it. When I stand before the Lord, it's all going to be about Him. It's all going to be casting our crowns at His feet, crying and worshiping, you are worthy. And so here, He says, I will declare, as they declare, All they've done for me, I'll declare, I never knew you. And then these words, terrifying as they are, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's kind of a shock if you think it through. I mean, we we just have a hard time putting ourselves in their place. But when he talks about people who have prophesied in his name, cast out demon in his name, demons, and done many wonders in his name, at least those who profess to have done these things, and he says, no, it was all lawlessness. Why? Because he never sent them to do that. They weren't connected to him. They weren't listening to him. They weren't obeying him. They weren't representing him. They were just doing religious works. They were doing their thing, not his thing. And that's why they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Anybody who really gets it, as I already shared, will be saying, Lord, didn't he? Well, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, in in these last few verses, he contrasts two men. And I want you to see how much they have in common. He's not contrasting here someone who's never been to church with someone who's been to church regularly or someone who's never read the Bible with someone who always reads the Bible or someone who's never heard of Jesus with people who have heard of Jesus. No, he's talking about two people who have the same exposure, who hear the same things, who both go out as a result and do something. And note what he has to say. Therefore, verse 24, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. 
Now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Here's the contrast. Two men. One wise, one foolish. What do they have in common? They both hear, they both build, and ultimately the storms of life Come and test that which they've built upon. The test isn't even the house itself. It's the foundation of the house. He says they hear. The wise man hears and obeys. He's building. He's building on a solid foundation of rock. The fool, he hears and he fails to believe. Well, he's building as well. But he's building on the sand and the storms will come and the storms will test. And really, isn't this what Jesus taught us when when he talked in the parable of the seed or the parable of the sowers that that the good seed is sown, the seed of his word and the hearts of men and that when persecution or tribulation comes, some fall away. Yeah, it's the same thing. The storms of life, the trials of life, the test of life, the persecutions in this life, they test our faith. And that's when we find out if we really have a foundation or not. And if you've come to Christ and everything's going great and you're just thinking, this is just so cool, well, tests are going to come. And when they come, that will be the deciding point. Have you merely appreciated who Jesus is or have you accepted him as Lord and Savior, received him, given him your life? No, the wise man hears and does. That's what he says. Like James tells us, we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving who? Ourselves. People who say they're doing, but they're not. They only deceive themselves. Everyone else can see what's going on. So whoever hears and does, he says, they're wise, and they're building on the rock. But the fool, he doesn't lay a foundation, he doesn't have a foundation, so all he builds will crush and crumble in the storms of life. Now, in Matthew 16, and you got to get this in order to really, you know, have this sink in completely, or not sink, <laughs> but uh, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, and we'll look at this in depth when we get to it. Who do men say that I am? They began to share, well, some say you're a great prophet, others you're a wonderful teacher, some you're a miracle worker, you're, man, you're like Jeremiah, you're, but, but he says, well, who do you guys say that I am? Peter blurts out, sort of their self-appointed leader, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. At that moment, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Pause for a moment there. If, in fact, you have realized that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, if you have opened your heart to him and if you have given your life to him and if he is on the throne of your life, if he is truly your Lord, that's because... The Father in heaven has revealed Jesus to you. I can tell you who he is, but only God can make that real to you. And he tells Simon, he says, you're blessed. You've had a revelation from heaven. You could just see his buttons begin to bust. Man, as his chest goes out, he looks around and says, revelation from heaven, that's me, you know. 
And he goes on to say even more. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Upon this rock. Now, some have been confused by Jesus' statement and they thought that Jesus was saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. Later, it gives him the keys to the kingdom and probably terrifies all the other disciples. He's like, you're going to let him drive? But, but, but here's the deal. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, Peter's name does happen to translate out rocky, but it's the word Petros, and it's in that text. Jesus is saying, Peter, you are a rock. But upon this rock, I will build my church. It's Petra. And they were there at Caesarea Philippi where there was just this massive, wonderful rock structure. And, and, and no doubt, if we could have been there and seen it, he'd say, Peter, you're a rock. But, but truly, a pebble in, in comparison. A chip off the old block, yes. But this is, this is the rock I'm going to build on. W- what is he saying? He's saying, Upon his confession of faith in who Jesus is, that's how Jesus would build his church. That will be the foundation upon which he will build. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And and upon this rock, I will build my church. It wasn't on Peter, but on who he confessed Jesus to be. And that's, that's where it all starts. If you confess that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, then you've had a revelation from heaven. And if you open your heart and confess you're a guilty sinner and and that you want Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, well, then you'll be born again and forgiven all sin. But it's all about confessing Him. And and here's what Jesus says, and, and boy, this just takes so much pressure off of me. It takes so much pressure off of us. Jesus says, just proclaim this truth and I will build my church. It's not my work. It's not my responsibility. I don't have to try to make anything happen. I just got to tell the truth about Jesus and he will build his church. Now, Peter gets this. He later says that Jesus is the foundation and, and there's no other foundation stone, no other cornerstone that can be laid. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, there's no other foundation than Jesus Christ. Peter knew, Paul knew, They both share it. And so the wise man knows who Jesus is, yields his life to that reality, and then doesn't just call Jesus Lord, but lives as if it were reality. Everyone who hears these words of mine but does not do them, well, he'll be like the foolish man who built on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Those multitudes of religious people, perhaps absolutely sincere, totally believing that they're connected somehow because they done good works or they kept the law or tried or because they... Hey, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken better than the fat of rams. So it was when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching. They were amazed. They were blown away. Why? He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. 
Someone has said that the scribes taught from authorities. Jesus taught with authority. What's the difference? Scribes quoted people. They, they never took personal responsibility for the things they were sharing. They, they said, as Rabbi Hillel says, or Rabbi Shimei says, or as the, the, um, you know, it's, it says here in this commentary or there in that commentary. But they would never say, thus says the Lord. That's what real prophets of God say, you know. I love that about Billy Graham. If there's such a thing as a modern-day prophet, he would be it. Why? He says, the Bible says, thus says the Lord. He's not quoting other pastors or other theologians. No, he's just saying, God's word says, thus says the Lord. Those are one and the same. But again, again, he taught as one having authority. You know, some try to make Jesus just a great teacher or, or a compassionate and wonderful miracle worker or, or, or some make him the wonderful prophet or proclaim him to be that. Listen, Jesus never said, thus says the Lord. That was the Old Testament prophet's way of beginning to speak for the Lord. Jesus never said, thus saith the Lord or thus says the Lord. He didn't need to because he was the Lord. He said, you've heard it has been said, but I say unto you. He spoke with authority. And I declare to you today that God's word says, hey, if you're in Christ, then you are as safe as Noah in that ark. If you have trusted in the finished work, the shed blood, the, the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus, you are as secure as those in a household in the Passover where the blood was shed and applied. But if you are trusting in anyone or anything, any creed or any connection with anyone but Jesus, you will stand before him and you will hear, I never knew you. Depart from me. Make sure that doesn't happen to you. Make sure that doesn't happen to your kids, to, to your extended family, to your parents. Share. If you know you're in the faith, share it with someone that's not or you're not sure about. And if you're not sure today, let's take an opportunity and open our hearts to the Lord Jesus and just say, hey, I, I get who you are. I want to trust in you. I want to give my life to you. Lord, I, I open my heart to you today. Let's pray. Lord, we'd ask now that you, by your spirit, would confirm your word. And here you say, many will say, how tragic will be that day, Lord. When men and women stand before you and, and profess all they did for you and in your name and, and you profess you never knew them, that that relationship was never there, not real. And I pray, Lord, that won't happen to one person here at Calvary Chico, that every person who draws in and, and listens to your word and considers your teaching would be yielded, Lord, not just believing in you, but truly yielded to you, receiving you. And if you've never opened your heart to the Lord Jesus, today is the day of salvation. The message is simple. You are a guilty sinner in the sight of a holy God. And Jesus not only came and, and lived a, a wonderful Life, he died a substitutionary sacrifice. Great teaching, yes. Wonderful miracles, absolutely. Prophecy 
for sure. But, but Jesus said he was the Lord and said, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. Today I ask you, do you know that you have the free gift of everlasting life? Building on the sand, hey, that's building on your experiences or, or your philosophies or your works or the law or your affiliations or your anything. Salvation is about trusting in Jesus, giving your life to Jesus, yielding yourself completely to him so that on that day you'll hear, enter in to the joy of the Lord. Job 22.21 tells us, Submit to God and be at peace with Him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Being at peace with God through our submission to Jesus Christ, it's a peace that will lead to your own salvation and freedom from His judgment, and it's critical. But it's also a way of life for us, one that will bring the kind of joy and prosperity that the works of our flesh could never provide. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you, and until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.